whenever you have really leaned into psychedelics, especially in in your makeup looks. Makeup uh, or in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Library Hours. I'm Reed Bryce. This is our second bonus episode to celebrate Pride Month here in Los Angeles. If you haven't already, go check out our first one with LA pub champion, Orion. This week, though, we're celebrating the art of drag by profiling one of my all-time favorite performers. Yes, that is right, the trans icon and sunset goth herself, Diana. In addition to electrifying looks and heart-snatching performances, Diana is one of the kindest, funniest, and effortlessly cool people I've ever gotten to hang out with. But don't just take my word for it, darling. Let's jump right in so you can have the pleasure of her company yourself. In the last year of COVID, I've been doing like Twitch streams and Instagram lives, and it feels weird to be sitting down, like not coming out of a uh, like a what do you call it, like a curtain. Oh, like at a show. Not to, to feel like that fourth wall is actually broken. You're here with another person, it's like logging onto a FaceTime call. You know, it's weird, <laughs> but I, I like it. This is like the first professional setup that I've been in for a podcast. Very professional. We are currently in my bedroom in North Hollywood, a tiny room, a sweat box, veritably. Uh, and so you're very kind to call it that in any capacity. But <laughs> doing my best for sure. <laughs> We're all doing our best. So you, uh, you, you go professionally by Diana and. Uh, you said uh, that you were uh, at the time of this recording, of course, uh, it'll be a little bit later down the road uh, when it airs. You said that you're coming up on three weeks from your three year anniversary as professional queen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that experience. Like what, what what's what's the uh, the road been like? honey? <laughs> so I started drag May 12, 2018, 2018. That'll be three years. Yeah. Um, at DragCon, which was a lot. It, like that is so amazing. I put on my first like little bit of eyeshadow when I and then I just like went out during the daytime at like nine o'clock in the morning like barefoot walking around the convention center barefoot in downtown LA Absolutely. okay well you had you you had a career wish and a death wish in one and you were like let's Absolutely. get a let's get a nail through the foot start my career <laughs> I was like fully running around the convention center for like an hour and shoes that were too small and then like I just took them off and like just went about my day. Okay, I've been there before. I think anyone who's worn a where what what size did you uh, go in heels or what were what were you wearing? Oh no, they were definitely heels and like a big Cinderella ish dress that I found at Goodwill and like my first wig that I still own doesn't look the same at all. Especially when they're well traveled, a wig can go through a transformation. <laughs> it was well traveled two weeks into me owning it like it, <laughs> it got really bad really quickly but wait was it the sort of thing where uh, when you start out you're like okay i have no idea what other wig or hair type looks good on me so this is what i'm gonna be wearing for most looks while i figure that out <laughs> yeah i actually owned two wigs to start off with so i owned a neon orange like sh- not shoulder like back length wig and then i owned a black wig that was a very similar style yeah was it more like uh, like silky stray or did it have the body waves or what were you going it was a wig that was on my head and that is the best descriptor i have for that i think that I, and i think any any queen worth or a drag form worth their salt will will always cringe thinking back at the first the first helmet they put on <laughs> when i started drag it was just like no experience no skill level no talent it was just a lot of personal drive and 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 yeah. I think and, and you know we you know what we call like the it factor. When I first uh, met you was you were you were up in drag, uh, but you I don't think I don't know remember if you had performed that night or not. I think maybe it was just you coming out. It was uh, to Redline uh, the show. Uh, who, who was who ran who ran that show uh, at Redline? Uh, um, depends on the day of the week, but yeah, maybe a Friday. 
I, I think it was a Friday. Then it was Pinche. Uh, Pinche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's amazing. That's like one of my like drag idols. And luckily enough, I can call her a friend. Like, yeah, can you can you break down Pinche for anyone who has not um, been you know lucky enough to uh, experience her show? Right? Is that is that her pronouns? Okay. Um, At least so in drag. <laughs> she goes by she her pronouns. Uh, she was a Los Angeles drag queen for about five years, and she just recently moved to Dallas. Like, she was on the first season of Dragula, and for anyone who has not seen that show or heard of it. Spoiler alert! She went home first. Oh no! You 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 you've spoiled that. Was that was a uh, was that a, was that on YouTube first originally? Um yeah, so it was a YouTube show and moved to Netflix and now it's on Shutter. I have loved the the, the world traveling that the, the Boulay brothers have done just on these streaming platforms. Right, it's funny. Like they, <laughs> and that's probably I'll probably get in like shit for this, but. Oh, great. Let's, let's cause some controversy on the show. <laughs> Why not? Um, I'll say that, like, they've uh, toured more through different TV networks than they ever have internationally, so. Oh, boy, I let's mean. <laughs> let's just hope that season four, like, helps someone out with that. Yeah. No, I mean, um, but, like, they they did prove that, you know, there could be another show that could, like, gain, a, like, a, like, a dedicated following. Because, yeah. you know, I, I, I it was, like, the first drag show in almost a decade that I heard through like the grapevine. And that's how, you know, people are passionate about it is when they're going out of their way to be like, Hey, I watched this. I need somebody to talk to about it. And it was because, you know, just, uh, uh, if you haven't seen Dragula before, it's basically like a, a RuPaul's drag race, but it, it focuses more on like horror based drag, uh, the, the sort of like freak show, the sort of like, um, avant-garde stuff that get, has like a harder edge and yeah. it has like a, um, a, a most fear factor framing around it. And also like a weird, uh, like auto, or horror like a corman it's film like a thing movie, but like yes with drag queens which is great like it's campy it's crazy and it's weird it's what you want from a drag queen experience at least you know uh you know the, the average audience is is wanting uh and uh are, are the uh so P- pinche is somebody that you looked up to and she was on the show uh and i know that um a lot of your looks you were starting to make sort of your turn and what you were talking to me earlier about you're like oh i'm exploring uh, other other silhouettes other other like character and fantasy were you were you um were you specifically into the whole uh sort of uh gothier sort of drag when you first started Absolutely. The first uh, the first performance I ever did was based around the movies Carrie and Scream. Okay. Um, and I was a big orange hair, little like mesh crop top situation. I was like a like a teen horror movie character, and like the final I girl. Yes. yeah, I wouldn't say for me I wouldn't be a final girl. I don't think, but <laughs> most <laughs> most definitely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for for those of you who do not know me, I am a black trans drag queen in LA, but I wouldn't say I'm a final girl. I'm probably like dies third trying to escape and then, you know, I falls see, in a ditch. I could see you, like there's a couple different ways I could see you cast. I could see you being like the college girl who is like thinking she can cerebrally get her way th- um, out of the, the way of the killer and then like, you know, maybe dies in the library or something. Right. Or, or you know, uh, when when you go in your high vamp uh, sort of like psychedelic look, I could very much see you being like the witchy girl who might, may or may not survive, but she might say something cryptic that could she get everybody else out. Also that. <laughs> Ironically enough, I just have recently become a fan of horror movies. What was it something that you that you were like, okay, I love the visuals, I love the I think so. Like for me, I I think that a lot of the things that inspire me as like a drag artist and like even now as a person all stem from women in tough situations or women in horror movies or thrillers or whatever. Like I never thought that Jennifer's body was a horror movie. 
Well, no, it was just a state. It was a statement about a, about, about, about especially about a beautiful woman being like, "I've had enough with people pushing me around all the time." Exactly, and like it was a women-led horror movie, like written, directed, starring like two actresses who are not known for her horror roles, and I think that like. I honestly think that, like, what's her name? Megan? Megan Fox? Megan Fox, yes. Her. I think that she should do more horror movies because after Transformers, I was, like, kind of not caring about what her work was. But as soon as Jennifer's Body, like, started premiering, I was like, this is it. Like, this is a movie that, like, so many people could relate to. And in an odd way, like, I think that she was one of the main inspirations for my drag character is, like, someone who's pretty-ish and pretty ish okay we're getting humble now you are a freaking model <laughs> you are you are a billion feet tall most of his legs <laughs> i agree but it, it's it's taken some process to get to it um but honestly to, to allow yourself just to speak out that aloud like yeah I, I i'm powerful i'm smart and i do happen to be beautiful so i understand why you're trying to objectify right i mean i get it i get it i get it but like for myself i was just like how can i be an interesting drag character without outwardly covering myself in blood or trying to be comedic. And somehow now I'm both. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, I think sometimes we can get scared of stepping too much into the persona. Cause you're like, it's mm-hmm. going to read as fake, you know, it's right. not going to, not necessarily like we, we want to like desperately get back to like, you know, whatever, you know, what realness is. Cause that's like an ephemeral thing. And it's right. like, and it's like not even as it, it as um popular in like in drag that I that I see around LA anyway um mm-hmm. uh, uh I used to see a lot more real realness looks when I was uh, going to a drag shows in Riverside back in like the the early two thousands uh and now you know everyone's kind of really wanting to be stepping into character into persona into just high fantasy I could definitely see how you think that or see that but I do think that like people di- well. I don't know, for the LA drag community, for me, and this is just my opinion, so if anyone here... And also, yeah, and I and I will fully say that I am a, a hobbyist. I'm just somebody who is only seeing a, a, a microcosm of, of drag, so I'm, I'm probably just seeing the, the pedestrian stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think that, like, for myself, like I said, just for me, um, this doesn't really apply to anyone else's opinions besides my own. When I moved to LA, I saw a lot of drag queens who did, like, the bikini and big hair and Pamela Anderson and, you know, bimbo aesthetics. Yeah, the fantasy woman. Yeah, the fantasy, woman, the, yeah. the fantasy of a woman. And now I think people are, like, losing that, like, overall grasp on drag and they're being, like, a little bit weirder and campier. And, like, even myself, like, I went from being a gothy drag queen and that's still who I am at heart, but now I get to go into, like, this weird retro acid trippy, like, moment Whenever you have really leaned into psychedelics, especially in in your makeup looks, makeup or uh, in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you know, I know, and I wanted to, and I wanted to say because I know, whenever you just step out of the house, it's usually with like so much more like attention to detail and and like b- like beautiful like expressions that like it really like it really has like uh, the, I think I think it is just you and your your regular girl looks that have has been inspiring to me to like be like stepping it up myself and even just as like as a freaking comedian. And I'm just like, I want to get back to like feeling like that joy that I got in childhood playing dress up. Um, if that makes sense. I agree. Like for me, it, I, I definitely had like a weird um, moment during the, like the beginning of quarantine when I was just doing a lot of psychedelics and 
shrooms and acid and whichever else types of things like that. Just you're trying to expand your mind or, yeah, or, or run away from the things in your mind that were troublesome um, in my case. <laughs> definitely both. And like I went from being like very dark and like in a very dark place pre-COVID to like becoming like a cartoon character, which I can now like see my drag as. I'm not just one person. I'm a thousand. And like, I don't know. It's really been like an interesting journey for me to go from being like so dark and kind of like a depressing character to someone who's like oh of course I'll just like pour cheese whiz on my head or anything like that you know like I I can just do anything in drag now (laughs) now I'm weirdly enough like my drag has taken like a 60s 70s 80s like kind of Woodstock businesswoman oh i am loving and i am loving seeing all of the reflections of my favorite period of drag um is the the san francisco height ashbury uh phase with the coquettes when they started getting going have you seen that documentary that they have i think it's like i i think i accessed it on amazon or something uh that like talks about like how they like all found each other in the park just high out of their minds and wearing every piece of clothing they had at the house and they didn't know it was called drag at first a kind of I haven't seen the documentary, but I've kind of lived that experience in a weird way. Like, I've done drag in Los Angeles for three years, officially as of uh, two weeks or whenever this recording comes out. Who knows? Um, (laughs) But I've also done drag in San Francisco. And that's like, strangely enough, I've been doing drag there every six to seven months, like pre-COVID. And now, like that's my second home. Like, yeah, I've I heard done, that yeah. that 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 um, scene is like very like open to experimental uh, yeah. looks and not necessarily having like you're doing it right or wrong. Can you speak a little bit more about what that scene is like? Uh, like not in like LA versus San Francisco way, oh, but just in like not. in the way like how, how how have they treated you up there? Um, I've always been treated with like so much respect from like people who are big in the scene, and like I contemplated like leaving LA for a little bit I thought about it about four or five months ago where I was just like you could kind of pick up and go anywhere you're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic it's not like somebody's gonna stop you from moving it was a weird thing where we all got robbed of our agency so it made us start thinking about like what are my actual options and for some people you're like oh I suddenly feel freer in some ways right I was there for Halloween for like a set of gigs which you know in COVID that probably wasn't a great idea but I made a lot of money and I had a lot of fun and I was COVID safe. So it's very funny. But I had like the experience of a lifetime. I got to spend an entire week living, not just like performing in that area. And like I stayed in the hate like pretty close to Sunset Junction or whatever that's, that place is called. Oh, I mean, I called it Height Hashberry. So it's just as you know, that was hate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I stayed there for about a week and I just got to walk around the city and go to like Golden Gate Park and things like that and just got to live. And it took me, I, I stayed there for like a week and a half and it took me more effort to come back down to LA than it did to go up. Like I kind of almost just stayed. Uh, I know that uh, the Peaches Christ is is one of the big queens uh, who runs things out there. But who are uh, uh, is it her that you that you were seeing, or who who are the who are the drag uh, artists that that you should be paying attention to up there? Like, what shows should people uh, be be uh, checking out, like virtual or in, in person? If if you know any, uh, any particular ones, um, currently I don't remember any of them in person, but I do know that like um, a queen named Snacks S N A X X has been hosting a lot of shows at Oasis. Um, 
I know Tito Soto, who is a producer on my digital drag shows on Princess Forever. We do Sweat, which is a drag race viewing party. We kind of got tapped out after 45 episodes of season 13. What a long season it was. Uh, (laughs) We might might be into season 17 by the time this airs, but I will say I I attended one of your shows. Y'all are so funny. Can I tell you what it gave me? Um, in terms of like why I was immediately engaged and why I was telling, I'm, I, 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 that's why I share it on my story just to people. Yeah, be like, tell Go me, see I would this. love to know. You all, you run it in a way. Uh, uh, have, did, have you ever seen the 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 show Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand? No, it is so fucking cool. You especially if you like weird like B movie stuff. It is a show about um an evil genius who gets bored, so he sends uh the the janitor who works at his like laboratory up into space with two robots who are the shittiest puppets you've ever seen in your life. So funny, and that defines me. Shitty and, puppets, yeah. I'm walking walking here with you, honey. And what they do is. That he tortures them by making him watch the worst movies that he's ever seen. It was originally like um some uh, it was like a public access television show, like really crunchy underground stuff, and they were just showing stuff that were like uh, in the public domain because they couldn't get the rights to anything. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and what they would do is like, it, of course, he's a cool janitor, and the robots are cool robots, so they would just sit there and sh- talk shit at the movie the entire time, and, and and but they would do it in a way that you weren't annoyed, you weren't like, oh god, shut up, let me like pay attention. It was like actually elevating the show. Not the drag race. Um, in my opinion, thirteen kind of is a, a better upswing in energy than it's been in a while. Yeah, it's, it's, give, it's giving me like more surprise, like genuine surprises. It's, it's showing up, you know. Uh, it's like letting queens when they're doing well, it's rewarding them instead of just making weird, bad decisions of like, we got to take someone home. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I've appreciated the, the, the effort, but you all, when it does get corny <laughs> or it does get overproduced, you all, because you, uh, first of all, are all professional drag queens and know what the hell you're talking about. You're not like just some queen at the fucking bar. Right. I like when, when I'm critiquing drag race, I've been a fan of that show since I was 11 years old. Like I've been, I've been watching that show like my entire life. I don't think that people realize how young I am most of the time because I do drag so often. But. It's, it, no, it's hard to clock how old anyone is. And yeah, so you have that 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 experience where you've just been steeped in it, but you also know the difference between that and like not real drag, but you know, uh, right. but but the industry. And you also, and you're all fucking entertainers who are snappy. You're all really good comedy queens in your own right. I don't know if that's how any of you consider yourselves, but you're fucking funny as hell to me, when you, especially when you're just getting stupid with each other yeah. and like having, you have actual chemistry with each other. I don't see like three individual artists who just all happen to get booked that night and they're just making it work. I see like my friends that like, oh, we'd be making these jokes if nobody else was in the room exactly. and they're just is funny and that's the sort of you can you cannot fake that naturalism that that works uh in a viewing party situation it's very hard to make make those things entertaining to an audience i agree like from for myself like when i'm hosting a viewing party i'm not doing it for anyone else i'm i mean yes obviously i'm doing it for money you you set up the green screen you did the hair yeah 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 right like i come in drag or most of the time at this point out of drag because the season is so long (laughs) but um yeah i just come in and i watch a television show i've watched for years with my best friend and my producer who is also a really good friend of mine so it's not like we're just, what are their names so we can make sure everyone um, yes. gets a good plug? So, uh, so my producer is Tito Soto, the uh, drag prince of San Francisco and L.A. sometimes. <laughs> he was on Drag Queen of the Year. Um, he was actually second place, I believe. 
and Mojo Carter, who is a drag queen in New Jersey, who is my best friend in the entire world. And we have great chemistry because we have been talking to each other like that for years. It's not like we're making up a product for to show to, like to show people. We're not watching Drag Race to like, I don't know, like just have. We're we're doing it to have fun. We're not doing it because it turns a profit, even though it, now it does. My other show, Saliva, is actually my variety show that I host on Twitch once a month ish. Um, uh, do you know Do you know the Twitch uh, address off the top of your head? Um, yes, Twitch TV slash Princess for EVR. So it's Twitch TV slash Princess Forever. And what and what and what uh what kind of is that like a general uh sort of drag uh, review or how does that one work? Um, so for that show, it's yeah, it's more of like a general drag review with people who I consider to be my friends around the entire country. I don't usually like booking people if I'm not interested in their work. Uh, it's hard. It's hard for you to trust like a, bi- a blind booking or like just yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't do blind bookings. I just keep people in my circle or like if I see someone who has like. 10 followers and they have an interesting video concept i post it if i see somebody with a hundred thousand followers um i've also done that i've worked with people who are on international versions of drag race i have friends who have just started drag because they're watching my show and that's like that's so that's special so cool. to me Oh no! Uh, I used to do this this like family show, and 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 a lot of people like uh, comedians will often be like, uh, "Yeah, kids comedy, like whatever." But it, uh, I, it something clicked to me. I was like, I might be some little comedy nerd's first exposure to comedy because I realized like, and it was very interesting, especially as like a tra- like not not to usually be like a trans experience, but I was like. I never, I didn't have any trans comedians that I watched on TV that like the transness was was not the punchline growing up. Right, I I agree because for myself too, I definitely like I've never seen anyone like me do anything. I'm like usually when you're a black trans woman, you're a dead body on a TV show, and if you're on let's say Drag Race, which is one of the few platforms or like anything like that, you you're playing a prisoner, you're playing someone who's in the criminal like field, you're playing a clown. And it's it's on a reality show where they might be fucking forcing you to like jump into a dunk take and ruin your fucking look. And and it's right. like there's so many le- la- layers of that. And I was like I just have people coming up with their kid asking to take a picture because they just thought I was the funniest person in the show. And I was just like just that was like such a, a, a so I can absolutely see how 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 awesome it is to have the 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 scene change because it definitely was more like we didn't talk about outside of like saying like the teasler you know as like you know a, a casual thing in drag we weren't talking about like that especially not in the shows we weren't like making sure like like uh like making sure that like trans artists were like being featured in, in the way that they should not that it's like perfect now you know we're running into all kinds of foolishness right. and we won't we won't name names but we know what if, you, if you're if you're involved in the la drag scene you know that some some wild stuff has gone or even in the, in the greater community we've just we've been seeing more pushback more confrontation and yeah. honest conversation like for myself i with my shows i primarily cast people of color i primarily cast trans people i refuse to cast a cis white man because we have so many drag queens especially drag queens of prominence who are cis white men who don't do anything yeah and and they definitely uh will say they they make their choices on on casting in a way that reflects their experience exactly (laughs) and like when i'm watching let's say an all trans show i want that show to be all trans people if i'm watching a black drag show i want that show to have all black people if i'm watching a show run by me i need that show to reflect myself and the people that are around me 
yeah, your principles, the thing, the things that entertain you, even exactly. that are fucking funny, that are a frame of reference, you you that you don't feel forced uh, into. Yeah. Uh, oh, can I ask you about the other side of it? Not and no in messy, gory details, but also because uh, I always think about these things too. Um, is is it? Do you ever like feel that yourself like having to work through? Like, um, like professional jealousy, the same way that you know, like, you know, with successes and, and or 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 people's failures, like fi- figuring out how to make sure that you're a good empathetic creature while you're still like being like focused on 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 your own drive and your 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 own career. Um, I would be a liar if I ever said that I wasn't jealous of someone else's like successes because I think everyone is, but. Or like, well, yeah. How, how how do you how do you think that you uh, work through it? What's your what's your process there? If you, <laughs> I don't. I really don't work through it. If I'm jealous of someone, I will look at everything that they do and figure out what makes them successful and how I can apply that to myself without being disingenuous. Like, I I have seen drag queens who wear the same hairstyle and wear the same five outfits, and somehow they have ten thousand followers. Like the, the, the sort of like they, they have that like Coco Peru thing where it's like, I know it works on me and that's what I'm putting out there. I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're like Coco Peru level in any capacity. I do think <laughs> that like, there are a lot of people who are rewarded for minimal effort and minimal work. And when I work and when the people around me work, we have to work 10 times harder because of what we look like and who we are. And sometimes that is like, that does make me jealous. Sometimes I do want to do the bare minimum and like, come in just like a, a very basic look or performance and get paid but i'm crazy so like my mindset tells me work 10 times harder push yourself further out of the box and eventually the only box that you'll be in is yours yeah. and i kind of have done that at this point no i would i would agree with that 1000 percent. yeah like especially when you come from like the working class sector of things you're working harder just to create the same sort of fantasy that somebody like probably bought like had somebody else like right. you know uh and so it's, it's it's so integral to make sure that you are able because that's why i i think about like i gotta figure out how to process like especially like on the more like immediate like uh circle of friends or like you know peers i'm like i gotta figure out a way to to accept when i when i experience this jealousy and then like okay how can i make that into a motivated energy instead of like something that is like causing me to be just like navel gazy or bitter or just things that are not productive yeah and i i'm like kind of crazy with that because like i work seven days a week on my drag whether or not it's me like not that's what people don't know gosh i was about to lie and say i sew my own outfits i don't um but i definitely like consistently thrift clothing i pick up silhouettes i pick up different things like from different levels of inspiration and now i get to put them on my body and see how they work and if they don't work i know what to fix and i've fallen into the luxury recently of being able to afford custom looks and things like that so hopefully the next level of my drag impresses people but i think that i've done pretty great so far with a budget of zero dollars no, and um, I wanted to also ask you, like, because I know this is very ephemeral and it can be, like, any different kind of thing, but on average, would you say that, like, when you are, um, a, when a look starts to come together, does it usually start with, like, you spot the piece at the thrift store or or do you start to be like, okay, I know maybe the kind of mug that I want to do, uh, like, the, the, the makeup that you want to do, and you'll start there and start looking for the pieces based on that? Or is there, do you see any sort of pattern for how you, how, how you find your inspiration? Um, In a way, yes. I do think I I have pieced my looks together in the past based off of like colors like I used to wear black a lot so 
for myself, it was like, okay, well, this outfit is black, but do you have texture? Do you have layers? Do you have different forms of things that people can look at? What's going to get picked up by the by by the lamp by the lamps in the theater? You know, you know, so so that you so that you don't look just like a, a flat like a flat two D shape. <laughs> and sometimes it's fun to be a flat two D shape, but not when you're wearing all black. So it's hard to do all black and and in and, and especially like you, you gotta make sure you're matching the hues of black. Right. So like when I when I started drag, it was very much so like big platform boots, uh devil horns, long black hair, ratty black hair, um, kind of revealing outfits generally. Um, anything that would look make me look like a Sephora employee on their day off. Okay. And <laughs> It worked for a little bit, and then I said, oh, well, you should introduce color to your wardrobe. So I started doing it with, like, little pops of color in my outfits or, like, little detailing. Or now I don't even think about the makeup that I'm going to do with looks. I just, if I'm doing, like, let's say a colorful face, that's the only thing that I know. I know the base. And from there, it's just what my hands and my brain kind of panic me into doing. Like. Almost all of my, like, colorful faces I've done based off of, like, oh, I, I saw the color pink today and, like, I really like it, so I'm going to do it. Or when I did a color series last year of, like, all the colors in the rainbow, um, in the traditional rainbow, like, Roy G. Biv rainbow. Mm-hmm. In, in the small time that we have left, I wanted to ask you a very nerdy question, and I'll make sure that I frame it properly so you're not like, uh, immediately. Uh, if you... Uh, knowing that we are going to be going to a parallel universe where everything is fine. That, that's just the, the long and the short of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could go to any time period uh, to just like uh, steal, go and steal all the racks of some rich ladies of uh, fashion or, 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 or anybody's, uh, w- what time period would you want to go to? Have you, do you get into, cause you were saying that you're getting more inspired. Like um, a piece that, that, that uh, Diana happened to bring with her was this beautiful, like uh, kind of like baby doll slip sort of thing that you would see a go-go dancer be wearing and like the 60s 70s with a great um it was a, a big bust of uh of, of of ostrich feathers that were like lavender and mauve and it was a bright tangerine and it had these stoning details that just like look like diamonds um encrusted up on the on the top uh, lining are, are you thinking that you might want to go back to like you know the shagadelic 60s and 70s if i could go back to any time period it would probably be the late 90s uh when they filmed austin powers so you can steal from their Absolutely. <laughs> you shady answer <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> you know, I, ironically enough, I keep going into the same like three time periods for my looks. It's 1920s, which is a really like big inspiration for me for like colors and flappers and textures and things like that. I love it because it was right after the Victorian era. Everybody was had, showing ankle. Yeah, it, it, and but also uh, the silhouettes started changing dramatically in a way we had never seen before because women literally were like, "I fucking give up. I'm gonna start letting like I'm just gonna let my titties hang out and you know and, and I'm gonna let myself have a more boyish figure and get into that sort of androgyny that started exactly. driving the the sort of fascist reactionary <laughs> sort of stuff. Ironically enough, like my fashion sense and like the things that I'm very very inspired by are like. 1920s like flappers 60s and 70s like androgynous weird clown fashion and then like vivian westwood 80s and for some reason like the late 90s kind of had all of that and i think that's where like a lot of my inspiration pulls from like 
Disney Channel movies of the late nineties and like uh like uh, uh, it was a Xenon girl of the twenty first century. Absolutely. Yes, like boom, boom, boom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like the goofy movie and things like that. I don't know. I feel like my fashion sense went from like Marilyn Manson to like Mickey Mouse. And honey, you know, if, if we're gonna deal with two devils, I you know I'd li- I like I like this one that li- allows you to have a little bit more fun and you know bounce off the walls a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, whichever. They're still all the devil. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of that Coco Chanel uh, quote. You know, she's famous for you know when you're about to take the, uh, leave the house, take one thing off, and then you'll you'll be ready. I I often like you know in the same way when you're writing something or or you're a painter like that that moment like how do you know when you, as a queen when you're like i'm done because i know it's a it's like multi-hour process usually mm-hmm. and do you have a sort of like system of like knowing because you also go for more is more usually in drag so yeah it ironically enough for myself i do take <laughs> the approach of before you leave the house take everything off and or just put on <laughs> 50 more things it's like i'm extremely minimalist or maximalist. There is no in between for me. So like right now I'm wearing a hat that's like neon green with a bunch of chains on it. And it's great. Oh yeah, no, it's it very evocative of very much like it kind of, okay, the color palette of the hat reminds me of like the recess sort of saturation, like very Spinelli, but in a lime green. And then I'm seeing silver details of, of these. It's like, say it's like taking um like a charm bracelet, but you're kind of like blowing it up a little bit. So you've got like, a, um, I, I want to say that looks like a heart uh, hoop shape earring that you refashioned into that. And then you have uh, a, a hanging chain the same way that you would have like, with like the little clasps and stuff, the way you would have like a chain wallet but it's like put on like very intentionally onto the ears and in a very um uh, there's two of them i believe in, in, a, in a good like symmetry i love it <laughs> yeah i just want to be the charm bracelet of drag like something really just out there <laughs> and uncommon yeah she got it at claire's yes <laughs> <laughs> for when you're building like either music or drag looks or anything that you're working on who are who are your influences who are the artists that you are the most like oh shit when i see this i get excited to go do my own work because I always feel like that makes a big difference is when you make sure you're returning to to the people that you're that that that, that make you a little fangirl or fanboy or, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan. Of, honestly, I'm a fan of every kind of art. Like I've been looking at a lot of like Salvador Dali paintings. I've been looking at old 90s movies like Cruel Intentions and oh, yeah, uh, those basically anything with Uma Thurman in it. Like I've been looking at and. High camp queen of all time. Exactly, like she, but still manages to ground it. You believe that the that this like wackadoo character just just sprung to life. Exactly, like she's she's someone. I think Uma Thurman is probably my biggest like current inspiration. Also, like Azalea Banks, no matter how controversial that may be. The art is great, and she, like, shows me that I can do anything. She walks the walk. I'll say that, like, everybody can have their opinion on on whatever else is going on in her life. She backs it up by being the most talented person. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and if if anyone knows me personally, you know that about me, too. I'm a very vocal person, and it reflects in my art. I'm not a quiet person, and neither is the work that I do. Yeah, I saw, and you can let me know if you you were just goofing on, on, on Twitter saying that, but you said that you were getting into making music. Yes, actually, I used to write a lot. I used to write a lot of music when I was a sad 14 year old in my bedroom. And 
I used to think it was bad, but like reading back, a lot of this stuff was like great, uh, like good bones for like better songs. Yeah, no, like you, you probably had like the raw intensity of somebody going through through it with your hormones, right. and, and, and but you just maybe didn't have like the the perspective to look back on it and be like, okay, now now I can figure out what I was actually trying to say there. Yeah, and like a lot of my music used to just be really short poems, and now like I wrote a song for my best friend. I wrote a rap to um the new drag race song lucky like i've written you you rap that 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 rules yeah i mean i i can rap i just haven't decided to write my own music until now did you record it um no i haven't recorded anything yet but i don't know i feel like i have done so many different things with my art and now it's kind of returning full circle to being being a 13 year old in my bedroom 10 years later maybe because are are you uh, you can let me know if i'm off base do you feel like maybe you are in that same way that you kind of could not stay away from your own emotions because everything's so overwhelming when you're a teenager do you feel maybe you are starting to drop into a a more vulnerable place like vulnerable place as an artist to allow yourself to open up that way um yeah i will say like overall a lot of my own art is definitely self-reflection a lot of it like, I'm more colorful because I can be more open with who I am. Like, early, honestly, like, pre-COVID and, like, maybe even, like, seven or eight months pre-COVID, I was a closeted trans woman who does drag. And that, like, just being able to say that out loud, like, my wardrobe just started gaining color and, like, I started getting happier and, like, my whole life changed. And I'm really happy to see that, like, now the visions that I had for my drag 10 years ago are what's happening like i'm i'm a talented artist and i can say that now that's so awesome 10 years ago i was playing a guitar in my bedroom and writing raps and drawing little characters that look like me now i don't know it just makes me really happy i'm manifesting we love it (laughs) yeah i mean ironically enough everyone says to manifest 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 but i did it and now i'm here Recording in a bedroom in North Hollywood. You made it, baby. Yeah, you're a star. (laughs) And that was my chat with Diana. I love her so, so much. And if you share the sentiment, I implore you to seek her out on social media, either at Your Dead Sister on Insta, at Die666Anna on Twitter, or at Black and Board on Venmo. Go tip a queen. It's pride. If you enjoyed this episode and want to make sure you're alerted to the next one, you can sign up to become a patron at patreon.com backslash library hours with Reed Rice. 100% of the proceeds from these pledges go directly to charity to the Mutual Aid Solidarity and Snacks, who deliver much-needed goods, services, and support to the people of Skid Row here in Los Angeles. That's it for me. I, I hope you'll tune in next month. Otherwise, I hope to any of my queer and or trans listeners out there that however you spend the rest of your pride, you do it knowing you're loved and you have a community out there that's rooting for you. I know I am. Now, do me a big favor, listener, and take good care of yourself. You deserve it. Okay, bye.